Thank you for joining me today. My name is Brittany and I'll be your very navigator through this new journey. Thank you so much for joining me today. All right, so we're just going to jump right in. Today's episode is entitled, Bear With Me, The Mental Part. Ooh, that in itself is worth a breather. Um, So going through a weight loss surgery or any type of transformative surgery is major. Um, it is not something, I don't care if it's a BBL, I don't care if it's childbirth, I don't care if it's VSG, uh, gastric bypass, whatever it is. Anytime you go through a transformation, um, any type of reconstructive surgery, there's a lot of mental things that come with that. And I think a lot of us really did not assess those mental things um, when the time came. Um so bear with me <laughs> as I go through all of the things that, you know, come with a surgery. Um, let me take you through my personal journey. So in the beginning of my preparation for the VSG surgery, um, it was a lot. It took me a while to even accept the idea that I was considering um, changing my life in that department when it came to weight loss. Um, it took me a while to accept that my body needed to be changed with surgery because PCOS was not letting me be great in any capacity. Um, and it also took me some time to just accept the fact that there were options that were both non-invasive and invasive. But if I chose the invasive or the non-invasive route first, PCOS may or may not cooperate. So I took some time, did some research, and found out about VSG from one of my friends um, who actually got a gastric bypass surgery. Um, and she referred me to her doctor. And I started doing research on the different options for bariatric surgery. And my husband actually started um, looking up VSG way before I did and kept telling me about it. And then I had another friend um, who got the VSG surgery. And then one of my mom's friends got the VSG surgery and another one of her friends got it. And at this point, I was like, okay, let me sit down and do some work and really research what this is, what it means, and all of that. Um, because I've heard of gastric bypass surgery before. I think most of us have, but when you get down to the VSG part, the vertical sleeve, it's like, okay, so make this make sense. So for those of you who are just tuning into this episode, um, I received, um, VSG surgery, which is a vertical sleeve gastronomy surgery, um, in December 30th, 2021. Um, it's practically, uh, a really great surgery for people that want to do work. Um, and I mean that very lightly, um, but and heavy at the same time, because when you get the VSG surgery, um, unlike, well, in, in retrospect to the bariatric, um, gastric bypass surgery, excuse me, um, that surgery, they completely cut out your stomach. Um, with the VSG surgery, you still keep a part of your stomach. You still can stretch it out. 
Um, but how you avoid those things is you do the work, which means you have to work out. You have to eat your proper portions. You have to take your vitamins every day. You have to have your uh, appropriate amount of water. You have to have your appropriate amount of protein, vegetables, um, starches, all of those things. And that takes time to develop. It takes time to um, process, you know, your new eating plans. It takes time to get a uh, acclimated with your workout, what your body can handle, how far you can push your body, all of those things. Um, and I'm not saying that you don't have to do work with gastric because you do. Um, however, there is a, a major difference <laughs> between gastric bypass and the VSG surgery. Again, when you get the bi uh, gastric bypass, you don't have a stomach. When you get the VSG surgery, uh, there is no bypassing. It's still, there's still a stomach. It's just a banana sized sliver. So that's why um, I refer to the surgery as the banana surgery. Um, but uh, this, this mental side of this surgery, um, in the beginning of preparing, everything was cool. And, you know, I was with it. I was like, okay, cool. We're going to do this. It's not that bad. You know, I've had two C-sections. So mentally, I was like, okay, bet I can do this. Um, then I got to the appointment. Mm, that's where things got a little interesting because my doctor is very cutthroat. He's very black and white. And although that is such a great thing, it was intimidating because I was super excited about the surgery. I went in there with all my questions and he just is like answering them so nonchalantly like, okay, yep, 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 yep. And I was like, okay, can you pretend like I am important to you in this moment. Can you pretend like you care that I am, you know, nervous, excited? And yeah, and he just sat there very straight faced. My husband was there and he was just very straight faced and answered the questions and kept pushing. And then he was like, all right, we're going to take you over to the navigator and she's going to get you scheduled and, you know, all of that. And I was like, wait, what? I'm approved? Well, yeah, you're, we cover your insurance or we take your insurance and all of that. So that began my mental journey, hearing that I was starting the process to get my VSG surgery. Um, and I prepared for three months. So after meeting with the uh, bariatric navigator, um, she gave me a red folder. And again, not everybody gets the red folder. Not everybody gets the same treatment that I did with my doctor. And I have to say that um, before I continue, because a lot of people, you know, message me and they're like, oh, my doctor didn't do that. I didn't get this information. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And I'm like, uh, so about that, um, <laughs> not everybody's doctor is as thorough. And it's very unfortunate because I do know some people who have had doctors and surgeons that were not as thorough and they felt like they were left out of a lot of information that I received that they didn't. Like I have a whole book, you know, from nutrition to post-op to pre-op to preparing everything. It's literally a, a really awesome book. I had nutrition classes, you know, they gave me the complete setup. My, my surgeon and the team was amazing. Um, from beginning to end, I had a very seamless process. There were no issues um, outside of my insurance taking a little bit longer to um, approve all of my clearance um, documents. Everything was great. Um, now, where the mental side of it comes in, um, I had prepared. Um, you do have to meet with a psychologist and depending on you know what you what you get on your test, because you do have to take a written test and a test online, um, you know, 
you have to score a certain amount. And if you don't, you get a psychologist or a psychiatrist um, to help you through some things. And I met with a psychologist and everything was fine. Um, however, the one thing that I asked, I was like, hey, you know, what should I be prepared for? Like, I I know that I can do this and I know that this is going to be something that's not really challenging for me, but I feel like I'm not mentally prepared. And the one thing, and I, I think I shared this on another episode, the one thing that my psychologist and my nutritionist both told me um, is to stay in your phase. So after you get the surgery, you have certain eating phases. So phase one will be like liquids. Phase two will be soft foods. Phase three, you know, you can start introducing some other things. And then phase four, you're kind of out there. Um, you can eat anything. You can do whatever you want. Essentially, you just need to maintain your weight loss, maintain your protein intake, water intake, things like that. So that was the advice. Like, yeah, just make sure, you know, you stay with the phases because when you go too far ahead and you're excited to do one thing, then you're not really being in that moment. And that's important during the surgery because there will be a lot of changes. And I was like, okay, uh, for somebody like me, who's always planning in the future, it's very difficult for me to just focus on the now. So I really had to focus on not going too quickly in the process. And that was really difficult for me because during the liquid phase, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to have soft foods. Oh my God, I can't wait to eat regular food. And I was still cooking for my family. You know, I was still watching other people eat food and it was so difficult. But when I started going through the process and of, of post-op, um, it, was, it was hard because changes were happening. Like my body was changing quickly. And I can't speak for everybody else, but I was literally dropping inches, if not weight, inches for sure. And it was so quick and fast that I did not prepare mentally for that shift. I did not prepare mentally for that change. And I know hearing this, it's like, okay, but you should be happy you're losing inches. You should be happy you're losing weight. And as I was, it was a lot for me to accept in that moment because when you've had the the weight on you for so long, that weight is not just fat. That's trauma. That's emotion. That's your past. Those are unanswered questions that you've had for people that you can't talk to that passed away, that you know moved away, that don't want to speak to, or you don't want to speak to because it's going to cause too much heartache. You know, there that's weight carries a lot for for those of us who are in the larger category, you know, we can attest and say that it's not just fat. It's bigger than that. It's more than that. And when you're in a circumstance where you have a lot of baggage and a lot of fat, you know, it starts to take a different weight on you and it starts to take a different toll on you. And I think that for me, it was kind of an awe, an aha moment, realizing like, oh my gosh, you know, I I have to start shedding these barriers. I have to start shedding this trauma. And I wasn't prepared for that. During my pre-op, I thought that I was prepared. You know, I was like, I know I'm about to change. My body's gonna, I'm gonna be losing weight. My body's gonna be looking different. You know, my husband was like, babe, I'm letting you know, people are gonna start looking at you differently. People are gonna start coming at you differently, treating you differently. You need to be prepared for that. And I was like, I'm not focused on that. And you know, I wasn't worried about it until it started happening. Uh, <laughs> it was a little different. Um, my, my DMs looked a little different. 
the comments on my pictures looked a little different. Um, the way that people looked at me and treated me was a little different. And between the way that my body was changing, the way that my face was changing, everything, I had a few crying breakdowns. I had a few mental moments because it was too much. I'm like, this is happening too fast and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. And there were many times where my husband was like, babe, you have to breathe. Like you are working yourself up. And I just... I was, I was like, I can't wait to work out. I can't wait to do this. And I would have to remind myself of what my therapist and, you know, the nutritionist told me. And that was just to take each phase by phase. Um, when I tell y'all the inches were falling off like crazy, like I did not know what to do. I was like, what is happening? And I, and, you know, talking to my mom and talking to my husband, they were like, did you not think you were going to lose weight? And I was like, I knew that I was going to lose weight. But in my mind, you know, it was going to take a while. Like it wasn't going to be instant. I wasn't going to come home and instantly have lost 10 pounds, you know. And within the first two weeks, I had lost like 15 pounds. Like, okay, normal people don't lose 15 pounds in two weeks. That's kind of a lot. Um, And it was just, it was a lot um, to take in. It was a lot to dissect. And now here I am, you know, a little over a hundred days post-op and I'm 60 pounds lighter than I was four months ago. And to me, that is crazy. Like, oh my gosh, people spend their whole year and a half trying to lose 60 pounds and I've lost 60 pounds in four months, like a little over a hundred days. Literally, it's been like 106 days and I've lost 60 pounds. And to a normal person, that sounds absurd. Imagine how I felt. Imagine how I feel. Like, that is absurd. <laughs> you know, there are people that after a year, they've lost 150 pounds. Like, that is crazy to me. Like, this is real. It's something that can really happen. And when you're in that moment, it's like, or when you hear stories about it, it's like, oh, that's great for you. Like, congratulations. Clap, clap, clap. And then when it starts happening to you, it's like, okay, so this is real. Like, this is something that is happening. And even still to this very moment, you know, it's been really hard for me to adjust mentally because I did not process and understand how quickly these changes were going to happen. And even outside of that, it really made me become a recluse. You know, I had to really take time to just be by myself and really assess some things because I didn't know that I would have social anxiety. Um, I didn't think that my introvertedness and my recluse tendencies were going to also put me in a category of having social anxiety. And it did. Um, I know some people that had some other things like, you know, some other mental things. Um, one of the guests that we're going to have on the show a little later, um, she developed an eating disorder. Um, and I'm not trying to scare anybody who hasn't had the surgery, but this is definitely something that you really need to pray about if you're religious uh, and if you're not, really take time to think about, get yourself a support system, you know, do your research and really process because this is not 
something that is easy. It, it's not. It's it's very difficult to position yourself, you know, to live with a smaller appetite, a smaller stomach. Um, I know there are some people that have far worse ailments than just PCOS. You know, there's some people that are dealing with diabetes. There's some people that have, you know, cysts on their ovaries that are large. There are some people that have fibroids. You know, there are things that are much worse than PCOS. And I'm not saying that one issue is greater or less than the other, but when you're enduring something like an ailment or you are enduring, you know, just bodily pains every single day, anxiety, depression, all of those things, when you now step into a different part of, the, of your life, you know, it does make some things that you never thought would be an issue come out. Again, I never thought that I would struggle with social anxiety and it's been very difficult for me to go out. I think since I've had the surgery um, in the past 100-ish days, I think I've been to all of one restaurant um, with my in-laws and we, me and my, my tribe have eaten at Whole Foods probably three times. One of those times, I couldn't even stand the smells and literally ran to the bathroom and puked on the way there. This is a true story. I literally did not even make it to the bathroom. Um, I, I just got sick. And because of that, it causes me to have social anxiety because I'm like, I don't know if a smell is going to trigger or if somebody's going to order something um, that's going to, you know, just set off my my nose adversions, my smell adversions, because I have those now, um, or just the sight of it, which I have now. Um, and it sucks, but it is what it is. And when I say adversions, like there's some things, there's some smells that just make my stomach upset, which will cause me to be sick. Um, cheese is one of those things. Sometimes I can see cheese and get nauseous. Um, sometimes it, it, whether it's cooked, frozen, or just in a pack, if I see the side of cheese, sometimes, um, it causes me to be nauseous. If I'm around it and smell it, it causes me to be nauseous. Um, if it's in my food, any type of dairy, it causes me to be nauseous. And it just depends. Sometimes it, it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, my body cannot process peanut butter. I was allergic to peanut butter before surgery anyways, <laughs> but I still ate it. Um, but now trying to eat peanut butter is a joke because my stomach literally cannot process it, handle it, any of those things. Um, chocolate, another thing. I only used to eat chocolate when I was having my cycle, which thanks to PCOS, I didn't have a cycle for several years. So chocolate wasn't you know, a thing that I craved, but it was something like if somebody had a chocolate piece of cake or, you know, a candy bar, I wasn't a sweets person, but if they offered, I'm like, sure. Or, you know, it wasn't an issue, but now I can't eat anything chocolate, not a chocolate chip, not a chocolate flavor, not even sprinkled cocoa powder, like nothing. My body does not like chocolate. So you can imagine trying to find a protein shake or a protein bar that is not chocolate or peanut butter consistency. It is literally close to impossible trying to find something that meets all of my requirements for the protein that I need that is not chocolate or peanut butter. It's literally a joke. Um, but yeah, it, oh God, there's just, there's so many things that contribute to why I develop social anxiety um, with the, with the smell it versions alone. And then my taste buds and things changing, I just didn't feel like 
and don't feel like explaining why I can't eat certain things or why I didn't finish my meal or, you know, why I can't finish my meal or why I don't want to finish my meal or why, you know, I have to be particular about what's in my food. You know, they're just, it, it, the explanations are too much. And I'm, I'm not saying that I didn't assess those things before I got the surgery, but I really didn't think that those things would cause me to want to stay in the house. So normally, you know, I just refuse like, no, I don't want to go out. No, I don't want to do this. No, I don't want to do that. And it's a lot, you know, those are things that you can't prepare for because nobody really prepares for that. I see people that go out with, after the VSG surgery, no problem. Like they're still out socially drinking or, you know, out being social, eating light bites and brunch parties and different things like that. And I just can't do it. Like I can't do it. And it's not because I don't want to, it's because that social anxiety has me in a chokehold. And it makes it very difficult to want to go out and do what normal people do, (laughs) essentially, is just be social. So I, you know, have been really trying to have my alone time with God and my alone time with myself and really figure out why that is, you know, why is it? I I get the, the aversions and, you know, the not wanting to explain myself, but it's become a thing where I'm like, no, I don't want to go on vacation. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to go there. And, you know, I'm comfortable around my kids and my husband. But then when it comes time to add other people to the mix, whether it's my mom, my in-laws, my friends, it makes it very difficult because I'm like, I don't want to have to explain. And then I don't want to be the topic of conversation either because I'm shy at heart. So I don't want people to be like, oh, you know, why can't you eat this? Or how does the surgery and how does it feel now? I don't want to be the, like, I don't want to keep talking about it. (laughs) I mean, I talk about it on a podcast and a YouTube and, you know, I don't want to talk about it outside of those things. Like, I just want to be normal. And it gets difficult, at least in the beginning, to be normal because those adversions are so powerful sometimes. Like, I can't just sit here and pretend like I don't have to, you know, upchuck. I can't just sit here and pretend like what you're eating is not going to bother my senses. And then it sucks trying to tell people, you know, if you're going to order cheese, let me know in advance so I can prepare myself, you know, because I have a food aversion and a smell aversion. And it's like, so I can't eat what I want to eat around you or what can you stand? And I don't want to, you know, alter anybody's comfortability around me. So it's just, it's a lot. Um, that comes with getting a a transformative surgery. And I feel like I just made that word up. (laughs) But anyways, um, there's a lot that comes with it. And I just think that, you know, we all just need to prepare, whether you're getting a reconstructive surgery, like whatever it is, you know, you need to prepare yourself for the idea of change. And I can't tell you what that change will be because sometimes there will be no changes. Sometimes the only change that will happen is in your body and that's okay. And then sometimes the change will happen when, you know, it's a whole mental shift and look, you know, being somebody who was a bit larger and having a husband who's six, seven, everybody looks at him anyways. And it's not, you know, he's easy on the eyes. He's not ugly by any stretch of the imagination. And then you have me who was a little chubby, uh, really 
to herself, didn't really dress um, how I should have been dressing because I was a mom that had two kids. You know, I wore oversized t-shirts and leggings all the time, anywhere. It didn't matter where it was. Um, date night, I had on a t-shirt and leggings. Like I just didn't represent myself the way that I should have. Um, you know, back then it it's it's difficult to look at yourself in the mirror after losing so much weight, whether you have excess skin or not, um, and not see that old person. You know, body dysmorphia was another thing that I really struggled with and still struggle with really bad. Um, you know, my best friend texted me the other day after I, you know, made my Wonderland video announcement and she was like, you know, congratulations and all this stuff, just like everybody else was. And I was like, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel in Wonderland. I don't feel 197. You know, I still see the larger version of myself. I still see and feel like I'm 258 pounds. And I know what everybody else sees. I know what the scale says, but I don't feel that. I feel, you know, completely different. Um, sometimes when I'm putting on large clothes, I'm still like holding my breath and praying, <laughs> you know, that oh God, I hope this fits. Or, you know, when I order something online, I'm like, oh, let me go to the plus size section. Let me get this 2X. And, you know, my husband's always like, no, you need to get a large. And now he's like, you need to get a medium. And I'm like, no, it's not going to fit. <laughs> and it fits. And then I, I feel stupid, but it's still, it's still not clicking that this is my body. This is my life. Um, sometimes when I look at videos or see pictures, that's, that's when it, it dawns on me like, okay, you're getting there because how you looked in the beginning is not how you look now. But then when I look in the mirror, I don't see what's reflected in the picture. So it's a lot. It's things like that. That's what I'm saying. Like you just have to prepare yourself, you know, um, for change, whatever that change looks like. Because sometimes, like I said, it's not going to be what you think. Again, I did not think that social anxiety was going to be something that I struggled with, body dysmorphia. I didn't even know what body dysmorphia was until, you know, my friend told me like, this is a thing. This is something that I struggled with. And she became a gym rat because of it. And she stayed in the gym and was, you know, doing a bunch of stuff with her body. And she was like, I don't see what everybody else sees. Like, I still see imperfections. And when she dug a little deeper, you know, she realized that that was because of childhood traumas. And when you go through certain changes and you start to, you know, deal with um, body dysmorphia, social anxiety, bulimia, anorexia, any of those things, you are forced to do your work, your shadow work to figure out, okay, where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I, you know, processing things this this way? Why is my body not doing what my mind is saying or vice versa? Or why do where is this where is this coming from? Essentially, that's the question we get to. Where is this coming from? And when you get to the bottom of where things coming where things are coming from, you realize that it does have to do possibly with childhood trauma, or it does have to do with things that you've conditioned yourself or taught yourself in protection mode or you know, defense mode even. And sometimes those things, those tactics and those lessons that we've taught ourselves or things that we've learned, you know, those are not things that are conducive to our growth. So we've stunted ourselves by 
really putting a us in a box. And I think that that is one of the hardest things to process, you know, outside of change is this is is literally just sitting down and realizing that oh snap, like the things that I'm that are plaguing me as an adult are things that I've taught myself unconsciously or learned unconsciously in my childhood or in my young adulthood or in my defensive mode or in my protective mode and because of that, you know, that's what brings about a lot of ailments, a lot of, you know, emotional things, a lot of traumas that we don't even realize that we are struggling with now as adults. You know, those things had a, a root. And when you get to that root, that's when you have to do your work. And sometimes that work looks different for all of us. Sometimes it's just a simple conversation with a parent or a sibling or another family member or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And then sometimes it's like, no, this is this is going to take me fasting, talking to God, reading my Bible, taking time for myself. Like sometimes it's deeper, you know, than just something so on the surface. And we really have to get to a point where we're not afraid to do our work. And, you know, I just think that it's really important for everybody to know what your triggers are, know what in you is is being brought out and why it's being brought out. And that is going to help you. I promise it's going to help you um, through everything, you know, that you have to deal with after surgery. Um, and I see this quote all the time. I have to point this out. I wanted to start the podcast with it, but I forgot, of course. Um, but I want to leave you guys with this quote. Um, it says, heal so you can hear what's being said without the filter of your wound. I'm going to read that again. Heal so you can hear what's being said without the filter of your wound. I feel like sometimes so many of the things that we are enduring and holding on to are because we have wounds that we haven't addressed, whether they're mental wounds, whether they're spiritual wounds, whether they're emotional wounds, and sometimes even physical wounds. Um, we've put ourselves in circumstances where we have gone into self-defense mode from ourselves, self-defense mode from God, self-defense mode from people trying to help us because we have not addressed and unbandage and allowed that wound to heal. And sometimes when we hear certain things or we are around certain people, it kind of inflames our wounds. It inflames our spirit. It inflames our minds. It inflames our body because we have not put ourselves in a circumstance to properly heal. And I urge all of you before you get any type of surgery to do your healing. When you get into a space where you are changing from one body type to another, or you're changing from one appearance to another, there are going to be some things that come out mentally. There are going to be some things that come out physically. There are going to be some things that come out emotionally and spiritually. And you need to make sure that you are doing your healing work, your shadow work, if you want to call it, your self-work before you endure a surgery that is going to change the trajectory uh, and the quality of your life. You know, your health depends on the success of this surgery, you know, your new life, your new journey. And you really have to take your health, your spiritual health, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health very seriously. Um, so that is my challenge that I'm leaving with you for this week. 
and I am excited for your journey, no matter what it is, whether it's just a mental journey, um, you're just trying to, you know, heal from your past traumas or whatever it is, whatever mental journey that you are on, spiritual journey, physical journey, or emotional journey that you are on, I wish you so much success. I I said that so weird. I wish you so much success. <laughs> I wish you nothing but peace. Um, and love. And I really pray that all of you receive something from today's episode, um, whether it be to forgive or to heal, spend time with yourself or do your work. I urge you to listen to whatever the spirit is guiding you to do and whatever your assignment is, just show up. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode answered your questions, gave you insight, or sparked your research flame. Remember, this is a voyage of self-discovery, and it takes time. Until next time, take care of yourself, friend.